This morning, um, you've chosen a great morning to be here. We're actually uh, finishing a, a series that we've called Overcomer. And um, it's kind of maybe a bit weird for me to say you've picked a great morning to be here if it's the end of a series, but I'm happy to report you can go back and listen to any or all of the podcasts from the first three weeks of this series. And I would encourage you to do so because we've really tried to tackle modern issues. You know, I was having a conversation, I've been um, getting a, a weekly massage and a sports massage kind of deal and having a weekly conversation with my masseuse. And uh, he's, he's been asking me, what are you talking about at your church this weekend? And when I, we first asked the question several weeks ago, and I was talking about our Overcomer series and some of the subjects, it blew his mind that we were actually talking about stuff that would be pertinent and helpful to people at all, let alone in the 21st century, given that it's from principles in, you know, in the Bible that was written quite some time ago. But we started this series with the idea that we can overcome the curse of comparison, that many of us live our lives comparing ourselves to other people and it's been amplified by social media, it's been amplified by unreality TV and, uh, and we live in this space like never before and it's something that we can overcome, that's the good news. Week two, we talked about overcoming the comfort of apathy, this rising trend of what's called slacktivism, that liking something on social media and sharing something on social media feels like we've actually done something about it. If someone puts a, a, a cause or an issue that's going on globally and we like that or use one of the other emoji faces, sad face, angry face, that's us actually making a difference, which in reality, it's very rarely us actually making a difference and we can actually overcome Come that and put some things into place in our life, in our sphere, in our world that will actually make a difference where God's called us to do that. And, and last week, uh, I took the bench and uh, we had one of our friends come in, Rob Mason, and talk about overcoming shame. And look, if you only listen to one of the podcasts from this four-week series, I would, now, I think you should listen to all of them. I think you'd be better for it. But if you chose to only listen to one, I would, I would strongly encourage you to listen to Rob's message from last week, Overcoming Shame. And, and the big idea is that we serve a God and we have a God that when you mess up or when you have messed up or when you carry around uh, disappointments and hurts, God doesn't say shame on you. God says shame off you and gives us the power to live free from shame. And it is, it's a game changer, that message. This week, I wanna talk about overcoming the lies of labels. And I'm gonna do something I haven't done for a while. I'm gonna do a tag team preaching thing this morning. So stay tuned for that. When I meet new people, whether it's here at Elevate or out in a social setting, a question that I like to ask them is, just, it's, it's, it's an open question. I just say to them, most of the time I say, oftentimes I'll say, tell me your story. And it's interesting because it gives them the opportunity to lead with whatever they wanna lead with. I just say, tell me your story. And if someone asks you that, I, I wonder what you'd lead with because whatever you typically lead with or, or whatever words you would, you would frame your response to that are kind of labels in a sense. You know, you might start with the physical. Well, as you can see, I'm tall, dark, and handsome, which if you're Johnny, yeah, those, he, he ticks all three boxes, but the rest of us, not so much. Maybe you would answer about your personality. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a bit of a people person. You know, I like to, okay, cool, great. 
Maybe you'd talk about your life situation. Tell me a story. Well, married with kids, you know, or hey, I'm single, let's mingle. Whatever it is, you know, that might be the, the way you lead with that. Maybe you start just lean into your career. That's a pretty typical one. I'm a, I'm a property investor or I'm a, I'm a nurse or I work in a bank and whatever it is. And, and these, these are okay. These are good things. Labels can actually be helpful. They give us a, a frame of reference. But labels can also be misleading if they're not captured properly. Several years ago, US food giant Gerber uh, were looking to expand the distribution of their baby food, food label into Africa. Now, in Africa, uh, many of the countries of Africa, English is not the first language. And so uh, an American company has to consider that with the way they label the baby food. And, and even in some of the parts of Africa where English is the first language or, or one of the first two languages, not everybody is literate in reading. They might be able to speak and understand English. And so many of the companies that already work in Africa, they put a picture of the contents of the, of the, the, the tin or the jar. They put a picture so that the person can go into the grocery store, the market and see the picture. And that picture, even if they don't understand the writing on the label, the picture tells you what's in the container. Well, here's what Gerber used to uh, introduce their line of baby food and put the picture of the contents of the baby food on the label. Little pureed white babies is what many Africans assumed was what was inside these jars. And uh, it should come as no surprise to you that that particular marketing attempt was not a raging success in Africa. The chances are many of you have been labeled at some point in your life growing up. Maybe you've been told physical labels, negative labels about the fact that you are fact that you are too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, and had these labels perpetuated. Maybe you've been labeled with perceived incompetencies. You're too dumb. You're too slow. You're too weak. Maybe you've had comparison labels. Well, you're not as good as your cousin. You're not as smart as your brother. You didn't get as good a grades as the neighbor's kid. And these comparison labels can be thrown at us. Maybe you've interpreted a situation in your life and actually kind of labeled yourself. Maybe you experienced something that failed and you walked away with that labeling yourself a failure rather than seeing that as something that happened that you can learn from and grow from. Maybe you grew up with some or, or experienced some level of abandonment in your life. Maybe a, a marriage that broke down and, and your spouse left you. Maybe you grew up in a, in a household where one or both of your parents actually moved away. And I know people that have had though, they weren't given a label, but they through self-talk took on a label of feeling worthless that I've been left, I've been abandoned, I'm not somebody who's obviously valuable to that person and ultimately beyond. Negative labels can stick and they can become incredibly powerful because if you wear a negative label long enough, it stops describing your past and it starts defining your future. And this isn't God's best for us. See, if you've been labeled a failure or if you 
describe yourself as a failure, having failed at something, then into your future, you're more likely to not even try new stuff, not even step out in faith, not even take a risk and be bold because you're viewing yourself as a failure. And I'm not even gonna try it because probably I'm just gonna fail again. I'm just gonna mess it up. Some of you have been criticised for so long and, and, and looked down on for so long and been told negative things for so long that you've put up a force field. You know, I was talking recently with one of our team members and, 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 and I was encouraging them. I was, I was affirming them. I was giving them compliments, telling them how great they are, telling them about some things that they'd done well and what I thought were brilliant about the things they did and how it reflected how, how incredible they were. And, and, they, and, and they said to me when I'd finished my, my encouragement, they went, oh, and I'm like, that's a weird response. And they said, I was just about to deflect all of that encouragement you gave me because I, I've actually, that's, that's what I do. In my head, you can tell me all of the compliments, all of the, give me all the encouragement in the world and I've got a force field up, I just deflect. But I just caught myself about to do it. So rather than deflect, thank you. But it was just an interesting insight. That, that, that this learned response from a, a, a lifetime of criticism and negativity. Now, if you've got our Elevate app, and I encourage you to have it, or if you don't have it, you can download it. But if you've got it, uh, you can find it in, all of, in, in two of the three uh, app stores that people actually use. Um, tap the Bible and it'll take you to uh, one of the four historical eyewitness accounts of Jesus' time on this earth, written by a guy with the best name in the Bible. His name is Mark. And he was writing the account, eyewitness account of Jesus doing his Jesus thing. Early on in this story, in your, it'll take you to chapter two, which is the early part of, of Jesus' adult public kind of life. We start to see right at the beginning, Jesus is 30 years old, he's gone public, he started to preach and do miracles and do Jesus-y things out and about, and he was becoming incredibly popular. Uh, when he would speak, there would be hundreds and sometimes thousands and sometimes actually tens of thousands of people would actually turn up to hear what Jesus had to say. And Mark records, a particular time when Jesus had an encounter with a guy. Now, we don't know this guy's name, so for the sake of this morning, let's give him an Aussie name. We'll call him Brian. And uh, Brian was paralyzed. Yeah, I toyed with Baz. I thought it's gonna be too much of a distraction. <laughs> Shut up. Um, Brian would have understood labels because Brian was paralyzed. And back in those days, and by the way, in some cultures today, when you are paralyzed, you're not just described with PC words like uh, uh, disabled. You, you, would, you would have been branded worthless because you can't actually contribute. You would have been unemployable, even more adding to this fuel of being seen as, as being worthless. And, and worst of all, in that culture, if you had some sort of obvious physical affliction, the cultural belief was that your physical affliction has been caused by something either you or one of your family members has done. And their sin, you're paying for with your physical affliction. So you're not just handicapped, you're not just paralyzed, but you or one of your family members are obviously a sinner. 
So it wasn't good to be Brian in this time, but to Brian's credit, he believed that Jesus had the power to heal him. And so Mark picks up the story where Jesus is actually preaching in a building. It could have been a home, could have been some sort of public meeting building. And, and it was packed, it was crowded. And, and the crowds therefore, at this point in history, they were a problem for Brian because Brian couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowds. But thankfully, Brian had some friends who also believed that Jesus could heal him. And so they took it about themselves to pick Brian up, to climb up onto the roof of the building that Jesus was preaching in and punch a hole through the roof so that they could lower Brian down right at Jesus' feet and hopefully expecting that Jesus would heal them. Which by the way, sidebar on just this part of the story. Sometimes you need to punch a hole in the roof. There are some things that Jesus would do for you if you just pushed a little bit more consistently in His direction. We quit too early. We wanna be the hero, but we don't wanna have to go through the battle. Heroes don't work like that. You're only a hero because you were both willing to go through the battle and hang until the victory. And, I'm, and Brian was grateful that he had some friends that weren't gonna let crowds, weren't gonna let circumstances stop them from getting to Jesus. Oh, I'm just too busy. Oh, no. We're gonna punch a hole through the roof and we're gonna see what Jesus can do. So Mark's recording this story. Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden, at the end of a rope, like Spider-Man, Brian appears in front of him. Maybe not upside down, maybe. And Mark recorded that Jesus at that moment was impressed by their bold belief. First of all, it's, it's a really good goal in life to impress Jesus. <laughs> I would like at multiple times during my walk across this earth to be someone that Jesus said, I'm impressed. But in this case, noted Jesus was impressed by their bold belief, actually plural. Not just Brian's bold belief, but Brian and his faith-filled friends because who you surround yourself with matters. Transformation rarely happens in isolation. If it was just up to Brian and Brian didn't have any friends that were gonna grab him and journey with him and bring him closer to Jesus, he, he would not have had the opportunity for transformation. Who we surround ourselves with matters. So my question is, who have you got in your life who's helping you get closer to Jesus? Because we can't, we have to follow Jesus for ourselves, but we won't effectively follow Him by ourselves because following Jesus is meant to be a team sport. Yeah. Who 
have you got in your life that's helping you to get closer to Jesus? Louis and I host an Elevate group and we don't host an Elevate group because we're looking for more things to have in our life. We, we, we were already filling up miraculously all 24 hours of the day, seven days a week before we launched an Elevate group. But we wanted to create an environment where we could gather people together who could do life together, but not just do life together as a social club, but actually help each other get closer to Jesus. And I remember earlier this year, we, uh, we had a 4th of July party. One of our Elevate group uh, members was uh, here from the US for a time and, and we decided to uh, launch a, a July 4th party. We called it Making 4th of July Great Again. And, um, and we had this party and, and we had ribs and we had wings and we had, uh, yeah, it was great. And when we'd finished, and when Johnny had had fourth, by that stage, I'm surprised he looks so lean. Um, we finished the eating. We actually at that point moved on to the most important stuff. And one of our, our Elevate group people had flagged earlier in the day, hey, can we take some time when we meet up tonight to go around because I, I've got some stuff I, want, I need you to pray for in my world, and I wonder if there's anyone else of us who's got some stuff that we can pray for them. And so we, we down tools, cutlery, and, and we got busy praying for one another. We got busy encouraging one another, and there was songs, and there was laughter, and there was tears, and out of that came breakthrough. God answered prayers because we, we made a point and we created an environment and we got into that environment of, of relationship with people who are committed to help one another get closer to Jesus. Who have you got in your life that's helping you get closer to Jesus? And then on the opposite side of the very same coin, who are you helping get closer to Jesus? Because it's not just a consumeristic vantage point about getting closer to Jesus, it's other people around you. Jesus wants to use you to help them get closer to Him. And some of my heroes, here at Elevate are our youth team members. Friday nights, they're here and they're all really cool people. And I say that because you think, you know, some people are like a bit like, you know, socially unacceptable and they don't have anywhere else to be on a Friday night. But our, uh, look, I just, hey, come on, don't look at me like, some of you were thinking it, some of you, our Elevate youth team members are all very socially acceptable. And have, and have options on a Friday night and choose as their priority to be here investing into high school kids, being somebody who's helping others get closer to Jesus because they understand that while their relationship with Jesus is personal, it's never meant to be private. It's meant to be something we invest into others. And so Jesus says to Brian and his mates, impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to, to Brian, the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. Now, this is a rubberneck moment because Brian's mates and even Brian himself, they weren't looking to be lowered to have Brian's sins forgiven. They were looking to be lowered because this guy couldn't walk. He couldn't walk, so he couldn't work. He couldn't work, so he couldn't contribute. And he'd been wearing these labels for as long as he'd been paralyzed. And the first thing Jesus tackled was the internal. Your sins are forgiven. Of the labels, handicapped, useless, worthless, 
The one that Jesus tackled first was the one that culturally people would have, would have labeled Brian with sinner. Jesus didn't start with the symptom. Jesus started with the root issue. That for us, labels aren't a problem until they start to get on the inside and start to take root and start to change how we think and start to change how we interpret situations and start to change how we make life decisions that take us away from Jesus. And so instead of starting with Brian fixing his paralysis, Jesus first of all said, your sons, your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus is good. He didn't just leave it. He realised Brian wanted to walk. And so after forgiving him of his sins, after tackling the inside, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And the man did it. He got up, he grabbed his stretcher and walked out with everyone that had been labeling him watching. Everyone in his community that knew Brian the paraplegic, that knew Brian the unemployable, that knew Brian the sinner was now watching Brian who'd touched, been touched by Jesus, whose friends had punched a hole in the roof, get up and walk. And they rubbed their eyes, incredulous. And then praise God saying, we've never seen anything like this. In high school, I had some reasonably questionable friends. And uh, <clears throat> I went to high school in Les Murdy and I lived in High Wycombe. And there wasn't a direct bus route. And so I'd have to catch a bus after school from Les Murdy to Kalamunda get off the bus, get onto a different bus and get the bus from Kalamunda down to High Wycombe. Uh, those listening on our podcast, you'll just need to use Google Maps and you'll be fine. Um, and, but the changeover in Kalamunda for the bus was about 20 to 30 minutes. In high school kids, you know, back then we didn't have phones, so we had to do other destructive things. And uh, some of my buddies, some of my buddies, and look, I, it wasn't me. It just, no, 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 it, it wasn't. It normally is. And, and if it is, I'll tell you, I'm happy. I'm happy, because that's not me now. But back then, it could have been. And if it was, it was, it, I would say it. But it wasn't on this rare occasion. My friends, my friends would go into uh, the local Coles in the Kalamunda Central Shopping Center. And this was the day before, days before barcodes were on everything. Back then, there was labels on, it, on everything to reflect their price, to reflect their value, to reflect their worth. And so my buddies would go into the coals and they would switch out the labels and they would peel the labels off one thing and put it on the thing that they wanted to purchase. But they would take the lowest price label and put it on the thing they wanted to purchase. They would try to go to the checkout counter and demonstrate to the checkout person that the thing that they were carrying was worth less than its actual value. And that's the power of labels. And the good news is, and what I want you to understand today and what God wants you to understand today is Jesus does switch the labels, but he switches the labels to demonstrate your true worth. That you are not worth less, but you are in fact priceless. Jesus abandoned heaven. God sent his one and only son. God sent the thing he only had one of because of your worth. Jesus hung on a cross, suffered a cruel and vicious death because of your worth. 
And Jesus came out of a grave, overcame death to show you and demonstrate you and give you and I access to the sort of power that can overcome the lies of the labels of our past. We have a new label when we make the decision to follow Jesus. We have a new name. And I promised I was gonna tag team this morning, and I am. It's gonna be using a video. And uh, this is a LA-based spoken word artist named Hosanna. Yes, that's her real name, Hosanna. And uh, she's got this piece I'm gonna show you now about the fact that we have a new name. And I want you to watch this and don't just watch it like we consume content on phones and tablets and streaming de devices. I want, you to, I want you to process what you're about to hear and see through, through the lens of, of your heart. And, and my prayer actually is for those of you that have been living subject to the lies of negative labels that you've been given that in these next few minutes when Hosanna is gonna be riffing, that God's gonna do some open heart surgery on you and that you're going to actually get either a greater understanding or maybe even a, a new, fresh understanding of the actual worth that you have and the actual name that you now live with when you decide to follow Jesus. God spends a lot of time in the Bible telling us who we are. It's almost as if he knew that we would doubt who that was from time to time. It's as if he saw it coming, that we'd spend our whole lives searching for what our identity, what our real name was, and that there'd be many moments in our lives where we let different kinds of names define us when we've looked in the mirror, compared ourselves to pictures and heard the name ugly. When we've been left by loved ones, people we trusted once and heard the name unworthy. When we've been drowning in discouragement, living in a seemingly never ending crisis and heard the name forgotten. When we've had our hopes up and our hearts open only to be brought down by closed doors and we've heard rejected. When we've looked for infinite affirming love through lesser physical fleshly versions when we gave it away or when it was stolen and we heard impure, we heard garbage. When we go to other vices to ease our pain and we hear addict, we hear forever broken. When we feel like we're living in the shadow of someone else's calling and we hear second place. When our pain cripples us to a point where we don't even know how to let others in and we hear lonely when our past seems too gross for others to forgive and we hear disgusting, it's overwhelming. These voices we're constantly hearing, it's suffocating. This air of constant critique and comparing and it's sort of amazing. The people whose voices I've allowed to name me the power I've given to my past, to my mirror and to my surroundings and enabled them to identify me. The amount of years I've spent living up to whatever others say over me. But God 
says something else about me. It's like he knew there would be other voices. So he wrote his voice down in a timeless book of truth that would remind us over and over again in the moments when lies would block his truths and somehow make us forget. I'm going back to the source, not the people I've allowed to represent God to me, but the actual, literal, tangible words that he has written down for me. And there's some other names he's given to me. John 15, 15, he calls me friend. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, he calls me chosen. Ephesians 2, 10, he calls me his workmanship. He calls me his art. He calls me handmade. He calls me purposed and fashioned for good things. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he calls my body a temple. He calls it the residence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8, he calls me his messenger to the world. Galatians 3, 26, he calls me his child. Romans 5, 8, he calls me greatly loved. John 8 36, he calls me free, free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5 17, he calls me brand new. And it's amazing how different these names are from the names I'm used to listening to. And in my journey to discover who I really am, in my battle to uncover the truths of myself, I've learned something new about my name. And now this is what I am certain of. My name is not the name the world calls me. My name is not the name my past calls me. My name is not even the name my own mirror calls me. But my name, my name is the name I answer to. And I can choose today from this moment forward to answer to a new name. When I hear lonely, that's not me. When I hear disgusting, that's not me. When I hear unworthy, I don't even look over my shoulder. When I hear broken, they must have confused me. Please look elsewhere. When I hear ugly, abandoned, useless, forgotten, I figure someone just has to remind them. Maybe those were my old names, but they're no longer the names that I respond to. My name is the name I've chosen to spend my days living up to. And if these other voices are not saying the same thing that the truth is, I look in my mirror and I repeat this, they have no right to be speaking to you. When you stop answering to your old names, they stop having power over you. The names that my father, eternity's author, the world's creator has called me are the only names that I answer to when I hear a friend of God, that's my name. God's workmanship, that's my name. Chosen, that's my name. Love, wanted, created with a purpose, that's my name. God's temple, that's my name. God's messenger, that's my name. Free, that's my name. Child of God, you must be looking for me. Greatly loved, you must be calling for me. Brand new, that is my name. That is the name that I respond to. The enemy has no power here. Perfect love cast out fear, and perfect love has named me and you. So what is your new name? 
what is stirring up inside of you when you hear these words that his word, that the word has proclaimed? What do you know is the name God is calling you? Maybe it's not the name you grew up with. Maybe it's not the name your old friends associate you with. Maybe it's not the name that your whole life you were used to identifying with, but it's the name you now answer to. So when the enemy tries to get to you, it's the name you introduce yourself with. As for me, my name is forgiven. My name is free. My name is brand new. Love, wanted, child of God, created with a purpose. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. This is the fourth time I've watched that this week. And every time I'm just like, Wow. And I played that because I felt very strongly that that was gonna speak to many of you this morning. And if it did, I wanna pray for you right now. Because ultimately my prayer in choosing the topic that we've been hovering over for the last 30, 40 minutes was designed with one very specific objective and that is that you would leave this place different than when you came in, that you would leave this place free, not freer, by degrees, but free, free of labels that you walked in with, that for the time you spent here, Jesus switched the label and gave you a new name. And you know who you are. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, put your hand up, just you know who you are. If that's you, if that's you, you know that you've been living to some extent subject to the lies of labels, I'm gonna pray for you right now. And I believe that just like Brian meeting Jesus and being completely transformed in a moment, that Jesus will do that for you right now. So God, for those people this morning here gathered who have been living into their future defined by labels from their past, negative labels that are lies that aren't who you say they are, that this morning, in this very moment, God, that you are switching the label and not just that you're doing it, but that the people that you're doing it to have a clear and and very, 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 very real and obvious revelation that that's happening in their life. That they will answer to a new name from this moment forward. They'll answer to a new name from this day forward. Child of God, not worthless, but priceless. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask one more question and then I'm gonna hand over to Louis. When Brian's mates lowered him down through the roof, the first thing that Jesus tackled was the internal stuff. He said, your sins are forgiven. And I wanna give you an opportunity this morning if you've never actually asked Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've never actually asked Jesus to give you a brand new start and have a relationship with him, then I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now. And it's actually at that moment when you say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna actually make you my Lord over my life. That's actually when he switches the label. That's actually when you become a new creation. That's actually when the internal miracle, the most important miracle takes place. And so if you've never done that,
If you've never actually said, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you, I wanna have a relationship with you, I need your forgiveness, then right now, in this very moment, I just want you to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me this morning. That's me this morning, God. And when I see your hand, put it down. I pray for you right from where I'm standing. Good on your sweetheart. Who else? You say, yeah, that's me this morning. Good on your sweetheart. Who else? That's me this morning. I need your forgiveness, Jesus. I wanna have a relationship with you. Those two people that put their hands up, I'm praying, I'm gonna pray for you right now. And, and we do a little thing, which is, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it, it makes us seem a little bit goofy for a minute. But I'm gonna say a little sentence and I actually want everyone to repeat this sentence after me. I know, don't go out in the shopping center and do what you're about to do. It's just, it's, no, you'll get escorted away. But, but this is a prayer and, and, and the reason I want to do this is the two people that put their hands up, I wanna just lead you in this prayer and I'm gonna say the prayer. I want you to actually pray it in response. But we are actually doing all this, to, we're gonna do this all together, the response all together. Why? Because together we help people get closer to Jesus. That's the plan. So let's all pray this prayer, especially those two people that just put their hand up. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, today I decide to follow you, to put my trust in you. I ask you to forgive my sins. I thank you that right now, in this moment, you're switching the labels. You're giving me a brand new start. I am a new creation. And I decide from this day forward to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And everyone celebrated.